Look with me in a couple of openings. Psalm 133 and uh, Colossians 1. We began a couple of weeks ago on a subject we're calling the ministry of reconciliation. The New Testament has a lot to say about this subject that we're on. We'll read the text here and review just a little bit. In Psalm 133, verse 1, Psalm 133, verse 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Is there a connection between unity and blessing? Between unity and the anointing? In the New Testament, you'll see when the people were in one place, in one mind, one accord, some amazing things happened. Great, mighty miracles manifested. Well, just like it's good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity, it's bad and unpleasant for brethren to be together in strife. Fellowship is the joy of of relationship. And Christianity is not about religion. We are not one of the many religions in the world. We're not. It's not about religious institution. It's about relationship. Jesus said you must be born again. Born again. And being born again You're born into a family, the family of God. It's not about institution. It's about family. Family means you're related. But just because you have a relationship doesn't mean you're enjoying it. Huh? You can be related to somebody. There's a lot of husbands and wives. They have a legal relationship. But many of them haven't enjoyed it for a long time. Why? Lack of fellowship. Fellowship is the joy of relationship. And Jesus spoke much about this. And you see this in the epistles about full fellowship and full joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put up on the screen for us John 17, 3. You don't have to turn there. Just hold your place in Colossians if you got it. But John 17, 3, Jesus said, This is life eternal. What is life eternal? It's not being baptized by the correct formula. It's not having your name on the roll that you're a member of a denomination or a church. That does not save you. It's not growing up in a Christian home. Just because mom and daddy knew the Lord doesn't mean you do. You don't get it just by osmosis. Just because someone else has a relationship with him doesn't mean you automatically do. By connection. Every one of these is individual. What is life eternal? That they might know you, the only true God, and know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Knowing him is eternal life. Well, he is life, (laughs) right? If you're hanging with him, you're in the life, you're in the light, he is the light. You know, when you travel with him, it never gets dark. Have you read the back of the book? In time to come, we are living with him. And where in the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, 
don't need a son where we're going to be with him. There's no son. You don't need one. Why? Because he is the son. Amazing. Amazing. But you and I, by our faith in Jesus and the new birth, have become not just servants, but sons. Male sons and female sons, but the sons of the living God. Our genealogy is easy to trace nowadays. <laughs> My father in the faith, Brother Hagin, used to say, some people make such a big deal out of their family tree. Sometimes maybe it never did produce anything but a bunch of nuts. <laughs> Natural genealogy is not what you should be concerned with. I am born of God. Hallelujah. Jesus is my brother. Whew. Do we know what this means? I tell you no. We, we barely know anything about it. But what this describes is how God has reconciled us to himself. In a relationship. In his family. Through what Jesus has done in the work of redemption. Uh, go with me to Colossians, the first chapter. Colossians 1.20 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile, another way to say reconcile is to make it peace again, to make one at one again. All things to himself. By him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Amazing. Colossians also talks about and Ephesians 3 talks about that part of the family is in heaven right now. And part of the family is on the earth. Soon all the family is going to be together. Talk about a family reunion. There's going to be a big meal, too. I would think if there's any potato salad there, it's got to be the best you ever had. Is that right? <laughs> We're talking about heavenly potato salad. <laughs> now, you're laughing, but didn't he say he's, he'd prepare a table and the marriage supper of the Lamb? Whew. Verse 21, and you... Uh, help your neighbor out, say, say you. you, you, who were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked or evil works, yet now has he reconciled. You were not always at one with God. There was a time, you, me, everybody, there was a time when you came to the knowledge of knowing the difference between good and evil, and you chose wrong. Yeah, you did. Every one of us. Could have been when you were 8, 10, 13, I don't know. It's at different times. But, you know, little ones don't know the difference between right and wrong. Morally, as a matter of heart. Now they catch on pretty quick. <laughs> but still they don't fully comprehend and fully understand. But at a certain point they know in their heart what's wrong and choose it anyway. And no need for you to get so high and haughty about it because you did the same thing. Don't forget that. <laughs> it's amazing to me. How parents are just flabbergasted and shocked and hurt so bad when their kids do some things they did. <laughs> Don't be a hypocrite. Remember that you did. Remember what you did. And if there's hope for you, there's hope for them. Right? And if there's forgiveness and cleansing for them and you and us all. And they don't have to stay 
estranged or alienated from God or from you or each other, the Lord has paid the price. So no matter how far off we've gotten, how bad we've done, we can be completely restored to full, unhindered, unrestricted fellowship with God and each other. Do you believe it, child of God? Nothing is more important. Nothing is more valuable. Material things don't compare to this. You can have all the money in the world. You can have the nicest cars and houses and clothes and jewelry there is. And if you can't get along with anybody and nobody cares about you, you got nobody to share it with. You understand what I'm saying? It's empty. It's nothing. Most important things in existence are your relationships. Number one, your relationship with God. If that's not right, the other's not going to be right either. Right with Him. And then your relationships with people. All the people in your life. It got too quiet on that one. (laughs) Verse 21, And you, who were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, if you choose wrong things and you go the wrong direction, that will put distance between you and people who are endeavoring to do right. If you're not going to go with them and they don't want to go the wrong way with you, What's going to happen? A gap. You keep going the wrong way, they keep going the right way, the gap's going to get bigger. But listen, friend, you never helped your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your family by compromising what's right. Never. And it can be hard because if you hold on to what's right and other people don't want it and like it, it can seem like you're losing them. They're losing you and we're losing our relationship. But the best thing you ever did for people you care about is follow God all the way and pray for them and believe with them. And one of these times they'll come to their self like the prodigal son and say, where am I at? What am I doing? How did I get so far over here? And you, when they call you, and they will, will be in a position because you've been walking with the Lord. To believe with them. Help them get back. That's actually the ministry of reconciliation. We've been given that ministry. To help people get back to God. Get right with God. Hallelujah. It's not hard. Doesn't take a long time. If you're willing. If you're genuinely willing. Verse 22. In the body of his flesh. He's reconciled through death. To present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Do you believe that? That the blood of the Lamb has made you holy. You hear Christians that have a Bible, you know, that should know better going, well, I'm no saint. Then you're an ain't. What do you mean? Believers are called saints, not just a few that somebody decides is a saint. And you don't become a saint because of extreme good works. You become a saint because the Lord has made you holy by the sacrifice of his own blood. I've had people look at me and say, yeah, but preacher, you don't know what I've done. And I said, yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. It is greater than all your sin. I mean, we're singing about it today, right? The blood will never lose its power. Is the blood greater than all your mistakes, all your failures? Has the blood, come on, look, look at the verse. Has the blood made you holy, unblameable, unreprovable? That was, that was a weak amen. That was just weak. That was, put the NIV up there. Verse 22. 
Now he has reconciled you. Before we go any further, how many believe the Bible? Okay. (laughs) You did know this was a church when you came in, right? I mean, do you believe these words are true? Whether you look like it or not, whether you feel like it or not, are these words true? I want you to say this is true. This is absolutely true. What is true? He has reconciled me by his own physical body through his death to present me. Come on, say it out loud. To present me holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Now, the moment you say that, the enemy will try to bring stuff to your mind and go, yeah, but I, yeah, but, yeah, but the blood. Yeah, but I've done enough. The blood, yeah, but the blood, which is bigger? Your failures, your sins, your mistakes, or the blood? Which one is bigger? Say it again, the blood, that sacrifice has made me holy without blemish, free from accusation. That means no guilt, no shame. Not because you hadn't done anything, but because you've been washed from it, cleansed from it by the blood of the Lamb. The blood is greater than the sin. The blood is greater than the faith. Why? Why keep talking about the blood? The life is in the blood. We're talking about life is greater than death. And what life was in the blood of Jesus? He had no earthly father. It's the blood of God. Which is perfect. Spotless. The most precious thing in all the universe, in all time and eternity, is the blood of the Lamb of God. And he paid it all to buy us which shows our value to him. Next time the devil tries to tell you through some kind of thought or feeling that you're worthless, you ask him why the Lord paid so much for you. If you're so worthless. The highest price that's ever been paid for anything, we're not talking about a trillion dollars, it's way beyond that, was paid for you. You are a one of a kind, unique in all the world, throughout all ages, one of a kind. Hallelujah. The master made you, so you're a masterpiece. One of one, masterpiece. What what makes a work valuable. The artist, right? The creator, the one that did it, that made it. We're not talking about Michelangelo. We're not talking about Picasso. We're talking about God, right? You are assigned one of one. Hallelujah. That's not an exaggeration. His name is in you. His name is on you. In the future, his name's literally going to be on you. Have you read the book of Revelation? You're going to be happy about it too. Because then everybody can see you're assigned one of one. Masterpiece. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't merit it. But the Lord saw in us what we are barely beginning to see ourselves. He saw something very, very important and precious in us. He calls us the apple of his eye. In time to come, it'll begin to be more and more obvious what he sees in us. We'll see it. Others will see it. Go to 1 John and you'll see what I'm talking about. 1 John. 1 John 3. The devil is a demeanor. He is always speaking derogatorily, always disrespectful, 
always trying to run you down to yourself, to others, you to them, them to you. You're nothing, you're nobody, you know, your failure, your mistake. Anytime those thoughts and feelings come to you, understand that's not the Lord. That's not Him. Romans talks about this. Who will lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Not God. Who's accusing God's elect? Not the Lord. If he'd have wanted us condemned, all he'd have had to do is nothing. Just leave us. Right? He'd have wanted us to be accused. Just leave us. No. It's not God who's accusing us. It's not God who's condemning us. It's not. In uh, 1 John 3, 1, he said, Behold, behold, look, what manner of love, what kind of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. (laughs) You're going to come to appreciate that title a whole lot more as time goes on, especially past this life. Therefore, the world knows us not. They don't know what we are. They don't know who we are, what we are, because we we don't necessarily look like it right now, hadn't always acted like it, because it didn't recognize him either. Verse 2, beloved, now are we the sons of God. You're not going to turn into a saint after you die. You're a son of God now. You've been made holy now. Hallelujah. Now your body didn't get born again. Your body is still in its fallen state. And it's aging. And it gets old and it dies. Don't let that bother you. The inner man is not aging and decaying. The inner man is renewed. Have you read about it? Day by day. And the Lord's made provision even for this body to be glorified and become immortal, incorruptible. He said, uh, when he shall appear, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we'll be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The amazing thing is that he has made us in his own image and likeness. We have been made like unto the Christ, the Son of God. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Hallelujah. And we we don't fully look like it now or sound like it, but there's coming a time. When our very bodies are going to be glorified just like his glorious body. Philippians tells us this. Oh, hallelujah. And uh, we will appear more like him. Glory to God. We'll see him as he is. Verse 3. And every man that has this hope in him, it has the effect that you want to separate yourself from ungodly and unclean things. Why? Because you have a realization of who you are and what you are and that you shouldn't be entangled with stuff like that. Have understand, sons of God have got no business with works of the devil or works of darkness. Here's one of the great truths that I believe the Spirit of God's ministering to us in this series. If you believe you're nothing, you'll act like it. If you believe you're someone, you you have value, you're significant and important, you'll act like it. These two things, if you believe you are worthless, you're nothing to anybody, if, if maybe just a drag on their life, you'll act worthless. You'll sabotage your own life. 
And that's why the enemy is continually trying to convince you of how useless and worthless you are. He's a liar. I said he's a liar and a defeated foe. Don't believe what your enemy tells you. Believe what your God tells you. Believe what your Father tells you. You are somebody because he has made you somebody. Not that I've made something of myself. I'm somebody forever because I'm somebody to him. Come on, do you believe that the creator of the heavens and the earth, the almighty who sits on the throne, if he says, calls your name and says, they're mine. Reckon the angels notice that? (laughs) Reckon all the fallen beings know that? If he says, they're mine, that's a child of mine, that's a son of mine. And they have a forever place in my kingdom to rule and reign with me. I've made them so, I've authorized them so. You reckon that matters? That makes you somebody. Come on, say somebody, say I'm somebody. I'm somebody. Why are you somebody? Because you're somebody to him. That's what, that's what makes you somebody. Some, I guess it's been a couple of years ago now, the Lord gave us a series called Precious in His Sight. If you weren't with us for that, I think it'd be worth your time to get into it because it talks about what your identity is in. If you think my physical ability is the main thing that gives me value, well, what's going to happen when you get older? (laughs) And it wanes some. If you think, well, my looks is what makes me so valuable, well, you're not always going to look like that, honey. <laughs> if, you, if you say, well, it's my money that, that makes me value, what if you uh, lose your money? What if you don't have that position? If your identity is in things that are temporary, it's only a matter of time until you're going to be shaken and unstable. The thing that gives you value is your value to Him. And that doesn't change. That's not going away. Not in this life, not in the next. Come on, say it out loud. I'm somebody, I'm somebody. to him, yeah. the creator. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I have a relationship with him. I'm reconciled to him. I wasn't always. I was outside. But because of what Jesus did and me receiving him, now I'm in. I'm not out. I'm in. Go to Ephesians 2, please. Ephesians 2 and 11. Ephesians 2, 11. I'm reading in the NIV, New International. It says, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, that's most all of us, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate From Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. This describes every lost person on the planet right now. And it is an utterly hopeless situation. And I know people may think, you know, they're doing good. Remember Revelation, he talked about individuals that said, I'm rich and I'm this. Now he said, no, you don't know how poor you are and how blind you are. Without God, you got nothing. You're about to find out. Everybody will find out when they breathe their last. But God made a covenant with Abraham and his seed and those You know, those outside of that had no covenant. Remember David, when he faced the giant? What was his name? Goliath. Goliath. (laughs) When, uh, among other things, David's just a boy. And and this, this guy is a giant. Not figuratively speaking. He's huge. And he's been a warrior from his youth. I mean, he was so big and bad... 
that the bravest men in the army of Israel, nobody would volunteer to fight him. Nobody. This had gone on for weeks and weeks. Everybody was scared of this guy. And David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What's he saying? Oh yeah, he's big, but he's a no covenant nobody. Oh yeah, he's big. He's got the muscle. He's got the brawn. He's got the big shield. He's got the big spear. But what he doesn't have is God. No God. Right? Basically, he's saying, I got God. The reason I know it, God was with me with that bear. God was with me with that lion. And he'll be with me with this big lug, this uncircumcised Philistine. You know, it matters what you call your problem. You don't need to exalt your problem and reverence your problem. You need to despise your problem. Right? Oh, it's awful. It's such and such. And you know all the Latin names. And you go in this big spill. No, it's nothing before the power of God. Nothing before God. No covenant, nobody. But the thing is, we also were no covenant, nobodies. Without God. Now, now this gets into some things that many are confused about. Have you heard people quote the phrase often, God is in control? God is in control. God is in complete control. God's total control. Well, if you're talking about God's power is holding the planets together and gravity and making the stars to shine and ultimately his plan to come to pass, then yes. But if you're saying God's controlling everything that everybody's doing on the planet and God's perfect plan, everything that's happening to people is the perfect plan of God, absolutely not. The truth is, many on the planet are without God. That's the problem. God is not in their business. And in that void, the enemy fills it. With death and destruction. Without God in the world. So it's not that God is controlling every aspect of their terrible life. The problem is God's not in it. Because they haven't invited him. Do you remember Revelation? Where he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You remember that? Revelation 3.20. Don't turn there. Revelation 3.20. Behold, Jesus said. The Lord said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. Is God inside already? Is he controlling everything inside with you already? No, he's outside your life until and unless. You invite him in. Handles on the inside of this door. Some say, well, he's God. He, he's controlling everything. He is almighty. He is all powerful. But in his wisdom, he's chosen to allow us the free will and the choice of whether we want him in our life or whether we don't. If we don't let him in, we're fools. And it irritates me to hear people that hadn't let him in blame all the problems on the God who they didn't let in. Does that irritate you too? I get tired of hearing this. <laughs> it's actually slandering my daddy. I take that personally. But truth is truth no matter what anybody believes wrong. God's a good God. And if you're smart you will be reconciled to him. You'll open the door. <laughs> You'll invite him in. Not just to the front room, but every room of the house. Is that right? You will completely submit to his lordship and make nothing off limits to him in your life. Save nothing just for you. Do you want God involved in your money? 
You want him involved in your health. You want him involved in your marriage, with, with your kids, with your job, with your yard work. Is that right? I mean, everything. Don't you? The Holy Spirit knows everything about everything. If we'll ask him, he'll show us. We have to ask him. We have to involve him. We have to yield to him. Give him place. The Bible said don't give any place to the devil. But instead we could say give complete place, full place to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, my review is complete. (laughs) And almost my time. What do you think? Can you you take a little more or... (laughs) Go to Philippians, please. The third chapter. Philippians chapter 3. I don't feel like I'm quite done. Actually, excuse me. I Go back to Ephesians 2. We didn't finish reading that. I got carried away and started preaching on it. Phyllis's dad that just went home to be with the Lord made me think when I said that. He is such a character, such a, such a joker. And still is, I'm sure. But he'd tell me uh, when he was he and Miss Nelva were in the church with us at Branson, he'd say, when you say that, can you take any more? He said, you never look at me. He said, because I'm going. <laughs> yeah, I said, yeah, I don't look at you on purpose. <laughs> when we were remodeling the uh, church building there in Branson in the early, the first building in the early days, a lot of work was going on, construction. And I walked through the, the first floor level and, and I saw on one of the office doors this makeshift cardboard sign that said, Mr. Billy Powers' office. Well, that's my wife's uh, dad. He wasn't on staff. I thought, Mr. Billy Powers' office? I mean, it's obviously somebody scribbled it. And I found him. I said, so you, you want a job? He said, no, no, I just want a position. <laughs> I think a lot of folks have wanted that, don't they? (laughs) Well, he's got one now, praise God. And to depart and be with the Lord is far better, far better, far better than being here. Keep reading in Ephesians with me, please. Ephesians 2, 12, NIV. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. That was us before we were born again. And that describes everybody who's not yet received him. It's an awful, awful place to be. Without hope, without God. In the world, back up to to verse 12 again. Did you notice excluded from citizenship? What's that about? Citizenship. You'll find that word mentioned numerous times in the epistles. Boy, does it matter. Does it matter if you're a citizen of a great country or not? Citizens have rights. That's a whole other series right there. Citizens have rights, privileges, freedoms, in many cases, property. You know, there are countries, different parts of the world that are small, but they're rich in oil or they're rich in this and the other. And every one of the citizens of that country get a check from oil dividends. All the time. Just because they were born there. Or their parents were born there. We have some amazing blessings. Living in our country. Do we or not? Man if you don't think so. Get out and get around some. You'll see we got a lot to be thankful for. But the greatest thing we ought to be thankful for. Is our heavenly citizenship. Have you thought much about that? You remember when uh, Jesus' disciples, whom he had sent to go minister to the sick and 
and deliver people who were bound. And they came back and they were all excited. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. He said, that's great, that's great. But what you ought to really be excited about is your name is written. Hallelujah. Your name is written. If you put Revelation or the passage together, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Your name is written in the roster of citizenship of heaven and the family of God. He said, keep reading, he said, prior to that you were excluded from citizenship without hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Oh, I'm not on the outside anymore. I'm not alienated. I'm not a foreigner. I want all of us, staff, everybody, listen. We don't refer to other believers as foreigners. Amen. Are y'all with me? Amen. Why don't you keep this in mind now? Everything that we say and do, because we got a lot of folks that come join us for meetings and all kind of things around. And when you go somewhere else, that doesn't make you a foreigner. We're not foreigners. Amen. Uh, the reason I say it is because I want us to keep scripture mindedness. If they're a believer and we're a believer, neither one of us foreigners. Amen. We've been reconciled to God. Come on, can you see that? And we're actually fellow citizens. The New Testament calls us, no matter what country you're from, fellow citizens with the household of God and with heaven, heaven's population. Do you know, you do know you have a place there. You have a place there. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier And the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. So now it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, male, female, no matter. Only thing that matters is a new birth and faith in the Christ. Hallelujah. In this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. Did he do it, saints? Did he do it? By which he put to death their hostility. They thought they were killing him, but he actually was killing it. (laughs) His death killed what was against us. Glory to God. Oh, we ought to shout about this the rest of the day and the rest of the night. And we ought to let it completely deliver us from shame and condemnation. Do you remember reading? He has made me holy without blemish, blameless. Is it true or not? Is the blood powerful enough to do that? Is the work of the cross powerful enough and complete enough to do that? It's the only thing that could. The only thing that could. Keep reading. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. We we, we shouted about that last week. How we have direct access to the Father. I don't have to pray to a saint. I don't have to go through a preacher. Hmm? I don't have to go through mama. Come on, y'all with me or not? I can come boldly, directly to the throne of grace. Speak to the Father in Jesus' name and he'll hear me. Me. Not me plus a bunch of people. Me. You. Somebody say direct access, direct access. Consequently, You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens. Oh, fellow citizens. 
Fellow citizen means native of the same town. Fellow citizens with God's people and the members of God's household. We're not just citizens of the U.S. or of Florida or of Missouri or Branson or Sarasota or Bradenton or wherever. Our citizenship, well, just go read it with me. Philippians. I want you to see it with your own eyes. Philippians. Flip to Philippians. <laughs> oh, that wasn't funny. Why'd you laugh? <laughs> Philippians 3.20. Philippians 3.20. Man, put a star by this. Circle this. If you think you might forget it, write down, this means me. Our conversation is in heaven. That's King James. And it kind of loses it there. It's the same word we've been reading about, citizenship. Look it up in your concordance, you'll see. The ASV, many others say, our citizenship is in heaven. Is this true? Didn't say it's going to be. It is. There is a book. It's a roster of those who have a right to live personally with God throughout eternity. And if your name's not on the book, you're not in. There's a Lamb's book of life. Have you read the book of Revelation? If your name's not in there, it's a problem. But according to this, believers' names are there. There's a line and a page yes, sir. with your name. Oh, did you hear that or not? There's a line, there's a page with your name in the Lamb's book of life. And because your name is there, you are a citizen of heaven with a permanent place in the family and in the kingdom to come. Glory to God. Amen. Somebody say, my citizenship, my citizenship is, in heaven. is in heaven. Is in heaven. My citizenship is in heaven. Whence also we wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice, this is what goes together with this. Who shall fashion anew the body of our humiliation. This body... It's really kind of sad. <laughs> Somebody says, oh, you know, people think, you know, especially the body in its youth and in good condition is, you know, it's, it's the pinnacle. It is amazing, but it is fallen. And it's like a flower that blooms and dies. And it's corruptible and it's mortal. It's I mean, I don't have to explain the humiliation part to you. <laughs> you clean it up, it lasts about that long. Right? You got to do it again. You fix something, it lasts about that long. You got to do it again. Do it again. You know, I'm, I'm so looking forward to being delivered from cleaning. <laughs> you? I mean, how much of our life is spent on picking up and cleaning and getting ready, and washing, taking the trash out, all such stuff. If you have no decay, you got no garbage. I often wondered, how in the world could that work? And I heard a a woman give an experience. She said she died and and went to heaven and saw a part of it. Now, I don't believe every heaven story I hear. I check my heart and I check the scriptures. But this one sounded good to me, sounded right to me. She said she had on this amazing robe, this, this beautiful garment. I maybe shouldn't call it a robe, but a beautiful, amazing. She said it was just flowing. She was a woman, and so she, she liked the particular frills of it, she said. And, and um, there was this fruit that was available, and she got some of it, 
And she, she so enjoyed it, she was really kind of making a mess. I mean, she's, she said she was eating it, and it was just dripping. And, and then she thought, oh, no, no, I'm dripping it on my knee rub. And, and she said, it evaporated. The excess evaporated. And it didn't mess up her gown. And the mess on her face or what it just evaporated. We have evaporation here. Right? Yeah. Don't do that kind of job, but because things have fallen. But to me it was an insight into how things could be if the excess evaporates, there's no trash, there's no garbage. And if nothing decays, oh wow. Does this stir you up at all? What am I talking about here? What's he talking about? Our citizenship is in heaven. Hallelujah. A place where the flowers don't die. Woo. A place where we don't grow old. He said he will fashion anew the body of our humiliation. Verse 21. That it may be conformed to the body of his glory. According to the working whereby he is able even to subject all things to himself. The Bible said there's one mediator and one, excuse me, one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's at the right hand of majesty on high in a body, a flesh and bone body that you can feel just like this. But it's been glorified and it hasn't aged or decayed in the 2,000 some years since it was raised. And the Bible tells us Part of our citizenship entitles us to this. (laughs) Entitles us to a place there. A place in the family. A place in the kingdom. A physical place there. And a body just like his. I've always liked fast. I enjoy fast. And reading about what happened after the cross and the resurrection, he departed. He went to the Father. He came back. That's got to be a long ways. It's zip and zip. And he goes, he appears in a room where the walls are, are enclosed and the doors are locked. And yet he says, handle me, fill me. Spirit doesn't have flesh and bone like you see me have. And he says, got anything to eat? So we got some fish and bread. He ate with them. That blessed somebody right there. In the glorified body, you can eat. I am somebody. You are somebody because we're somebody to Him. Hallelujah. And that makes us somebody forever. And He's given us a place in His eternal kingdom and family. We get to live with him personally forever. I'm a citizen of heaven. Praise God. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.